This episode is brought to you by KJK. Tired of the billable hour? KJK has a solution. The KJK GC Advantage program offers businesses comprehensive legal services in the areas of employment, corporate services, real estate, trademark, intellectual property, and estate planning, all for a set monthly fee. KJK serves as their clients' partners in business, not just their lawyers. Along with cost certainty and predictability, the KJK GC Advantage program gives clients peace of mind, knowing their projects will be handled quickly and efficiently, maximizing the return on investment on their legal spend. So don't go it alone. Let KJK help. Learn more by visiting KJK.com. Six One Four Startups Nation, welcome to another episode of the Six One Four Startups Podcast, Columbus's number one startup podcast. And I have a very special guest for you guys. I have my man Chris Pomas, founder of Vertical, on the show. Chris, welcome. Elio, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's good that we have a sit down uh, conversation on the podcast. You and I have had a chance to uh, get to know each other outside of podcasting. And I think what you're building at Vertical is a service that um, thankfully is now available, accessible to founders like myself. But before we get into Vertical itself, want to get to know you a little bit better. So where are you from originally, if you're not from Columbus? And then how did you come to live in Columbus, Ohio? Yeah, so this goes all the way back to uh, 1977. I was uh, born in a country called Laos uh, in a little village in the capital city of Vientiane. Uh, we immigrated uh, from there in 1979, and uh, we just landed uh, here in Columbus, Ohio uh, because of the circumstances. Yeah. And and so uh, what I know about Laos and when I hear that country, unfortunately, certain countries and you're thinking about 70s and 60s spark certain images. I'm thinking Laos. I'm thinking Cambodia because I am originally from Liberia. And the reason why I came to live in the States was because of a civil war. Did that inform the decision of your family in terms of relocating here? Or was that far after uh, much of that was going on in that part of the world? Yeah, well, uh, it's funny. Uh, I didn't know that about you, but yeah, you know, just to dive a little bit deeper, you know, you know there was a uh, you know somewhat of, of a civil war, a uh, regime change, and it basically limited uh, the folks, the inhabitants that were there to uh, they were relegated to uh, basically not have any opportunities to thrive, and my parents made a conscious decision, uh, you know, after you know, we were, you know, six months to a year old and, uh, and my brother, who's 18 months older than me, uh, you know, they grabbed us and we crossed the Mekong river and then we, we landed at a refugee camp <laughs> in Thailand. And then several months after that, uh, you know, we were part of a, a sponsorship program here, here in the United States. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much how we ended up in Columbus. We were sponsored by a Lutheran church uh, here downtown. I can't recall the name of it, uh, yeah, but it's right off of uh, what, what used to be 4th Street, right on the corner. And yeah, that's pretty much how it started. 
Yeah, man. Um, I, I, you know, it's some interesting parallels there in terms of immigrating to the U.S. as a result of a civil war, time spent in a refugee camp. I was very fortunate, meaning um, that when we left Liberia and went to Sierra Leone, we were able to actually afford like a, a place to live, right? We didn't necessarily have to live uh, in the refugee camp, but of course we had to visit family and other people who were in the refugee camp. So um, I understand, right, um, kind of the immigrant journey and why America represents still to this day with everything that's going on in the country, however you might feel about it as a land of opportunity. So um, normally when you say, I didn't know about that about you, a lot of people say that because I am thoroughly Americanized and I got rid of the accent. Right? <laughs> you came as a kid, so maybe that might make sense for you. I came when I was 12 years old. Wow. And so since you've been living in the States since you were a kid, um, uh, what is like the, the the community here of other people from Laos or or other neighboring countries? Do you guys have a large population? I know for Liberians, we have a very large population that's very active in Columbus. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of that uh, immigration that occurred in the, you know, late 70s or early 80s, there was a huge influx of, of Laotians. Um, so my mother works with the community quite a bit. And, you know, I don't have the specific numbers, but you know, definitely in the tens of thousands of, of families that relocated here. So, so, yes, so Laotians, um, as a whole who, uh, who came to the States, you know, we're pretty spread out. Uh, you know, I know there's huge populations in Louisiana, certain parts there, California, of course. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, just obviously coming to the States, I, I don't know any better, but, but just, just talking to my parents and just understanding that journey, it's definitely, you know, it's created such an opportunity for us. You know, as you know, I mean, if you were in, if you were still in Liberia, you definitely wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in, 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 you know, um, the technology has democratized a lot, right. Where in a country, um, like Liberia that might have fewer opportunities than we do here in the States, technology has helped uh, democratize a lot, right? So um, appreciative of the fact that uh, those disparities that exist between the developed world and um, the developing world are starting to get closed in terms of the gap of opportunity simply because of what technology can now facilitate uh, in terms of communicating across the world or uh, if you have a voice or something to say, social media amplifying that. But one of the things I appreciate about being an immigrant, and we talk about this immigrant uh, approach to America as the land of opportunity. Um, I know you were very young, but you know how did that process, whether it's through stories from your parents, shape your view of America as the land of opportunity? And how do you think that has informed the way you've approached uh, being an entrepreneur? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> you know, I never really thought about it, but you know, I think that you know, I mean, the way that they described how things were over there uh, in Laos, you know, when we made the the conscious decision to to leave, it's uh, you know, there was just like I said before, there was no opportunity for for growth or development. Uh, it became a monarchy, uh, a political system, into a communist system. Which you know, I don't have 
you know, one view or the other on that. But, you know, I know that uh, it was very oppressive, you know, the the regime that took over. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, it was during that time where, you know, where a lot of that was sweeping through, um, you know, most of Southeast Asia. You you mentioned Cambodia and Vietnam. Uh, Those are the countries that were that were impacted as well. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, to have the perspective and understanding how you know how impactful um, you know, the move was for us, you know, compared to how it how it you could have been or would have been, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's a game changer. Uh, it's something that I should mention that is, I, I serve on a board uh, called Legacies of War, and you know uh, that it's a nonprofit, and the mission. For, for legacies is to actually remove all the uh, cluster bombs that were dropped there. There were several millions of cluster bombs that are undetonated that are still sitting as basically landmines you know, throughout you know, that entire region. So, so that's another way that I've you know, been able to get involved uh, in you know, giving back to uh, uh, to the motherland, if you will. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I I completely get it. And and just like, you know, the folks at the Lutheran Church, maybe you know, a hundred years ago, didn't imagine uh, that they would be part of the journey of so many people who were looking to re- relocate to the to United States. My experience was the same on the East Coast when we came. We came to New Jersey, and the Lutheran Church was involved in part of that um, transition process. I I really appreciate, it, and I think for a lot of entrepreneurs particularly those, and many of them, like many of us are on this journey for the first time, right? We're the first ones in our family. Um, we're really trying to build com- companies that are impactful, but also have an eye to giving back uh, because we've experienced other people making a conscious decision to give back to us. Uh, no person is an island. So that's really inspiring, man. So in addition, I was going to ask you, first of all, we got to get some authentic Laotian food, <laughs> right? But then number Anytime two, you, you got to tell me a little bit more about this nonprofit. But we're going to dive into your world as an entrepreneur. So when did you discover that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and who or what inspires you on this entrepreneurial journey? Well, when I first graduated from Ohio University, I had a degree in communications with a specialization in video production. <clears throat> so I thought I wanted to make videos, uh, you know, create content. You know, this is before social media or any sort of real internet existed, right? This is back in 2000. So, so I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I got a job at AT&T. Uh, you know, I worked my way up, got promoted to management after, you know, a few years. And then, uh, I got to a point where, you know, I just felt like there was something else out there. Um, and, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I started a little side hustle, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of people do these days anyways, because of the opportunities that are out there with technology and everything else. But um, in my case, uh, just to back it up a little bit, my first job out of uh, college was uh, as a as a logistics supervisor for a company that was based out in California, but they had operations here in Grove City. And, uh, you know, I learned about the staffing industry. So um, come around 2010, you know, I'm 
you know, 10 years into AT&T, I had an opportunity to uh, create a side hustle doing staffing and recruiting for a, for a warehouse. And uh, that's kind of how it all started. And then from there, uh, I don't know how much you want me to get into it. I mean, I can kind of share with you the journey from there if you'd like, but, but that's pretty much how it started. And uh, I ended up leaving AT&T uh, about four or five years after. Uh, it wasn't a full on, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it created decent enough revenue uh, for me to keep it going. And I had plenty of time to do my work and, you know, uh, everything else was done either after hours and a few calls in between during the day, but I was able to uh, maneuver it and make it happen for you know, for several years before I decided that, you know, I could, you know, I could easily make this a full-time thing. Yeah, man. I love the side hustle, right? Um, <laughs> I think, you know, you, you hear these big kind of stories, right? That really sweep through the media I just haven't seen it happen with side hustling. I mean, it's so much attention was given to the great resignation, right? You felt like, yeah. oh, there's an epic shift. But why is it, do you feel like the idea of the non-traditional path, right, of get a job, work 40 years and retire, um, does it, you know, the, the alternative to that, which would not necessarily be the great resignation, right? It's almost like the the system quaked for a moment at the potential that it was no longer going to be the best option for people. Why do you think that side hustle, right? Finding that thing that might be your transition doesn't get a lot of play. Because I think a lot of people right now are side hustling their way into something, uh, uh, into a business or into a, a, a being self-employed. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question uh, because I feel like you yeah, see, so you mentioned the Great Resignation and how it really gave folks an opportunity to kind of reassess uh, and do an appraisal on their current lives <laughs> yeah, because everyone was home more. Uh, you know, I think that you know folks weren't working. Uh, I, that coupled with you know, I think technology. I think technology has been the biggest game changer. It's allowed people to be able to find their way through and get information much more faster than we ever did back in the day. I, you know, I don't know what your age is. Uh, you're probably younger than me, but you know, when I was starting out doing my side hustle, it was just the old fashioned way. Uh, you know, there was the internet and things of that nature, but I feel like now with all the different resources we have at our fingertips, it's just easy to, find something that you love to do and really, you know, just, just get into it. Um, yeah. So I think that you know, having that time and having that perspective, you know, it allowed folks to really take a step back and say, you know what, I'm not happy with my life. I want to do something different. These are my interests. So, so in a lot of ways it was, you know, it, it was great for them. And then uh, of course, you know, for the economy, it, it, it didn't help because of, the great resignation and we're still, we're still feeling the after effects of it. Yeah. And as a guy who um, got his start in the staffing industry, I'm sure uh, keeping your eye on what's happening with those trends in terms of the, the future of work and things like that, I know is, is very, very interesting for you. And probably, you know, as you look at your businesses, you're being impacted by it as well. So you see it from both sides, both from the, um, you know, somebody who's in the business of helping people find employment 
but also supporting the employers who are looking for people to hire. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a, a great kind of pivot to uh, the company that you started, Vertical, which I am you know, very, very much uh, interested in, in learning the history of. So uh, what is Vertical and uh, why did you start this company and what problem are you solving over at Vertical? So I will say that, um, so Vertical is a U.S.-based virtual service company. You know, we serve the global community and creating opportunities for folks that are at a disadvantage in, in multiple countries. Uh, you know, we're partnering with developing and emerging markets uh, to help provide an opportunity for, for growth and, op- and equity and, and remote work. You know, um, so how I got started with Vertical is I was reached out or I was contacted by um, Raquel. She goes by Rocky. And, you know, it was just a solicitation email <laughs> and or note on LinkedIn. And she asked me you know, if she'd made an introduction, uh, you know, and it uh, just so happened to be that she had a very uh, expansive skill set to be able to pretty much handle any sort of back office needs. And to back it up a little bit more, when I worked at AT&T, uh, I went to the Philippines and you know, AT&T started outsourcing some of their, uh, their work to some of the call centers there uh, with the BPO, uh, Business Practice Outsourcing Company. And you know, I met and worked and trained a lot of those folks and, you know, in the Philippines, they're actually the largest uh, BPO country in the world. It, it was India, but then, you know, things started shifting for, um, you know, for whatever reasons. And, you know, I learned how they work, their culture, and I feel like they were, uh, you know, they were trained very well in the past, you know, 10 to 15 years, you know, companies like IBM, uh, Accenture, obviously AT&T, Chase, you know, a lot of those companies are outsourcing some of the basic functions and you know, maybe even more sophisticated functions to the Philippines. IBM's another one. You know, they've had a lot of really good training uh, with these US-based companies and, and then some, uh, to, you know, be able to have the, have the skill sets that they need to, to survive and thrive in this modern world. And that's where I think that, uh, yeah, that really made me interested in, you know, creating this company. Yeah. You know, serendipity is always interesting, right? Where you, you're, you're, you're maybe, um, not necessarily thinking about building a company, but then that phone call comes in like the phone call from Rocky and say, Hey, I got something here for you to take a look at. Um, I, I understand clearly the problem that you're solving um, on the side of the, the the folks who work for Vertical. So these virtual assistants that are, for the most part, based in the Philippines. And that is the democratization of this, uh, rem- the, the, the world that we live in now of remote work. Um, and so, you know, the value proposition to them, if you could break that down for me. So, I mean, if they're now the number one in the world and they get a chance to work for some of these big names, 
explain to me some of the challenges with working for those big names and why somebody might opt to work for vertical where your customer is the small business owner and your customer is the startup company that might be scaling. You know, what are they experiencing in terms of working for those big names in, in, in experiencing that kind of training and culture that, that makes them a great employee? Why would somebody say, you know what, instead of working for that other company that serves uh, the bigger names in the world, I want to work with a vertical because, you know, of this value proposition? What are they telling you as you speak to them about that opportunity? Yeah, well, you know, I can tell you that if we have an academy you know, that we put all the uh, uh, virtual assistants in. It's a four to six week program. You know, we basically uh, work with them directly and give them the proper training and, you know, you know the proper tools uh, to be able to understand exactly what they're doing. Um, you know, and as I mentioned, we're a U.S. based company and we have uh, folks here stateside that helps with the onboarding. So I think it gives it a very uh, natural um flow in terms of onboarding. So, you know, so instead of working you know, directly with, you know, like how it came to be for me with Rocky, you know, we have folks here stateside that can kind of do the onboarding, you know, really get to know, you know, the end user's business um, and then really understand it and then translate it in a way that makes sense. And, you know, we're very uh, choosy about which, uh, which VAs that we, have work on certain accounts just based on their skill sets. Yes, yeah, so I think we do a lot of screening that allows us to uh, be able to you know, make the right match, if you will. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm kind of partial, right? Because I've had a chance to experience this in real time. Um, because as you know, uh, in in our conversations, kind of off podcast. Um, 614 Startups has been a, a, a solo um, uh, um, going concern for a very long time. But as we've grown, uh, the new challenge for me as an owner is now building a team. And um, I hadn't done it before. I just didn't have the skill. I've been there, man. <laughs> right? Because it's not as easy as it sounds. No, you know, not. a lot of people think, you know, I, if I could, if I got the money, I can go out and hire. But, but that is an actual particular skill. And you made mention of the fact that you guys put people through an academy um, to make sure that they have the tools. And you're very careful about selecting people. Let's talk about your selection process. What, what are the characteristics of a vertical VA? So these days, I don't get too involved in that. But I know that Rocky, you know, she does a lot of the recruiting there, obviously. Uh, you know, just because she's had call center experience uh, through and through. Uh, she was employed at IBM as well. And um, she's got a knack for really you know, discovering talent or folks that have those skill sets, that has the training uh, from, you know, from these uh, large companies that have, you know, uh, set up shop there. Yeah, so the Philippines aren't the only place that we actually have folks. Uh, we have folks in Dubai as well. And I think we had a few in Mexico. So, yeah, so our goal is to really expand that footprint and uh, you know, not just you know, rely on one, but it, but it pretty much started in the Philippines. Yeah, so hopefully that answers your question a little bit. But you know, I think that you know, uh, the selection process is definitely 
uh, be one that we're very careful of. Uh, if we started off with just a handful of folks, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I think now we're up to 40. So, so, you know, with very low turnover, you know, we have your, you know, you have your situations where things don't work out, but you have something else that, that's uh, that's a big incentive is that we provide benefits uh, to those folks and that's unheard of um, you know and we're also very uh, you know uh, you know in my general company culture I you know you know in all the businesses that I have uh, you know I like to be you know culture is everything for me you know I mean, having flexibility and you know having the ability to you know, to kind of thrive without micromanaging is kind of my thing. And I feel like you know, that culture has bled over into vertical, which I, you know, which I can, you know, see that, uh, you that in their work. <clears throat> yeah, well, we're, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I mean, we've just discussed you know, kind of the problems that you're solving for the employee side, whether it be the folks in Mexico who are virtual assistants um, or in the Philippines and the kind of work culture that you're creating to be the employer of choice, right? Because they can go anywhere, sure. right? It sounds like there are many opportunities for remote work now, a lot of companies competing for the same talent across the world. And so you're establishing Vertical as that company that they uh, are going to want to work for. But I want to come now after the break to the other side of the equation, the folks who you're actually helping here or wherever in the world they might be who are in need of a virtual assistant. So folks, thank you so much. You're listening to my conversation uh, with Chris Pomas, uh, founder of Vertical. We'll be right back after these messages. Support for the 614 Startups podcast comes from Nationwide. Nationwide's mission is to protect people, businesses, and futures with extraordinary care. To help fulfill that mission, Nationwide is looking to invest its $350 million venture capital investment fund in InsureTechs that will help them create new and exciting products and solutions to meet the needs of their customers. If you're interested in partnering with Nationwide's venture capital team, visit nationwideventures.com to learn more. Again, the website is nationwideventures.com. Nationwide is on your side. This episode is brought to you by Rev1. Rev1's mission is to help entrepreneurs build great companies. As you navigate the waters of business entrepreneurship, you don't have to go it alone. A strategic partnership with Rev1 connects innovators to the talent, customers, space, and funding you need when you need it. Get started with Rev1 Startup Studio by visiting rev1ventures.com to learn more. Again, the website is rev1ventures.com. 614 Startups Nation, welcome back to my conversation with Chris Pomas, founder of Vertical. Chris, listen, man, um, when I came across, it, it was an email, <laughs> right? And I get my fair share of emails. Uh, it was, it was, the email that I needed at the time it came um, because I, I was up to my eyeballs, right? And for many founders, um, they are probably in a similar place to where I was and probably still am as I'm making adjustments. But let's talk about the problem that you're solving for your paying customer. Sure. The folks who are in need of the services that Vertical 
provides. What do you help those people solve? What challenges are you seeing and how do you help them address those challenges? Yeah, I think uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, you asked about your value proposition earlier. You know, I feel like the value that we add is very um, beneficial for, you know, for your average entrepreneur. You know, we target folks who, who are, you know, just starting out all the way up to small and maybe even medium-sized businesses. We haven't gotten there yet, but, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and small businesses are, you know, are pretty much our bread and butter. And, you know, talking to how we can add value, I, I think that from a cost perspective, if you're just getting started uh, in your business, um, you know, in this modern world that we live in, there's so much information. There's so much you have to do to you know, to be able to find and manage your day to day, your you know, that work life. Uh, you know, when starting out as an entrepreneur, creating a new business. Uh, if you know, from you know, billing to you know, creating invoices, uh, creating processes. You know, there's a lot of you know. Uh, back office functions that I feel like really makes makes life easier uh, for those folks who may not you know have the knowledge or the time uh, to be able to you know, get through some of those things and you know that's where I think you know affordability is a huge part um, you know our you know our packages and we have special packages that we offer as well that can certainly uh, be advantageous to those folks that are, you know, looking to, you know, uh, get into this, you know, world of business with, you know, with uh, nominal costs. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you have um, freelance sites, like let's say Upwork or um, uh, Fiverr, right. And you could go on there and hire virtual assistants. Uh, and I attempted to do that. Um, and one of the biggest challenges is I'm already busy. Yeah. And now I'm hiring somebody. And one of the things that a lot of people who haven't hired people for the first time realize you're responsible for training that person. Um, one of the things that I appreciate about working with vertical is that I don't have to do that. Um, the U S based, like you call it, I think a project manager, my project manager, I don't even want to say her name because she's so fantastic. <laughs> I don't want you guys to take her away from me. Um, but that was one of the key differentiations that I appreciated the most was that, um, that responsibility was taking off of my hands. And I had a project manager whose only job is to understand what I need and then appropriately train on my behalf the virtual assistant who's going to be taking on the task themselves. Why did you guys, you know, kind of approach it that way? Because that was a refreshing difference. And for people who've kind of tried to hire virtual assistants and have sworn it off, I think it might give them a reason to have a second look. Yeah. I think that you hit it right on the head. You know, that's our business model is that we want folks here stateside, you know, and we're creating jobs stateside uh, to be able to help, you know, you facilitate that. And, you know, there are times where, you know, our customers would rather deal with the project managers directly 
you know, as opposed to working with the folks, um, you know, overseas. And that's completely fine. I think that's a preference. Yeah, but I think eventually what it turns into is that, you know, there's a natural handoff and, you know, most communication, you know, you can be done over text messaging, you know, through a Slack channel um, or even, you know, obviously over email. And after a while, it doesn't become a problem, but, uh, you know, it's our uh, natural instinct to ensure that, you know, that there's a seamless uh, interaction between, you know, the vertical team and, you know, and, and the end user. Yeah. And um, so let's talk about the impact, right? So we kind of made the case for why there might be a need. People might be stressed out, frustrated. You might be doing administrative tasks when they otherwise might be having client meetings and driving revenue, right? It's one reason to yep. do it. The differentiation between trying to go out and screen the person, train the persons, much of that has been done for you by vertical via this, um, this uh, uh, your, your business model. Yep. But let's talk about the impact because that's all well and good. We're not, we, we haven't gotten into pricing because you guys do it in a way that I think is unique as well. But what is the impact of a well-trained and in sync, meaning they just understand you, right? Uh, what is the, 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 the impact of that on the business and personal life of an entrepreneur? Well, I think it makes, you know, or, or will make their lives much easier. Uh, as I mentioned before, if you can, you know, you get rid of some of those mundane tasks that, you know, that we all are accustomed to doing, I think it's great. You know, you can do it yourself, but you know, once you start scaling the business, you know, you're going to need help, uh, you know, to be able to manage your calendar, set up appointments, create a proper sales funnel so you can go after and get that business and basically, you know, vet, uh, you know, potential customers or leads that you have. You know, and I think that having a back office, you know, as we do, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the impact of having that back office support, you know, that's something that I feel like I would have had much more success if I would have leaned into it a little bit more. And, and, and we have. And, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, for you know, for the other businesses, you know, we use vertical for uh, for pretty much all major back office functions. Yeah. And, and so then. So give me give me an example of, of how it's impacting you, right? So you're, you're, you're running multiple companies and maybe this is kind of where you can jump into um, uh, uh, where Vertical stands in, in terms of your total portfolio. But how is that helping you be a better founder, a better entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the first company is you know, that I started was Workline Solutions, you know, that's a staffing and recruiting agency. Um, you know, I've, you know, we've been running that since 2010. And, you know, when we discovered that we were seeing a huge influx of work coming from our new customers, you know, we needed a solution to really uh, handle some of the, you know, the back office billing, um, keeping track of AP and AR, doing some recruiting. And, 
you know, the second company I started is called Revcon Management. It's a construction management company. Um, you know, we, we operate in uh, 17 different markets and just keeping up with that growth and with that volume, you know, I feel like was, you know, was so helpful in scaling the business. And you're know, just going back to Workline Solutions. Uh, we have three different uh, locations here in Columbus, Ohio, in uh, Worcester, Ohio, and in Fullerton, California. So, so having the vertical team be involved in you know a lot of those uh, you know functions that we had behind the scenes. I mean, that just made it was a game changer. You know, it allowed us to free up more time with, you know, obviously business development and just uh, you know, finding time to spend with uh, with family. Yeah, no, I mean, l- listen, it's worth repeating, though. And I think for me, some of the things are like um, are the intangibles. Right. So um, uh, getting used to giving up control. Um, I have this habit, even with my virtual assistant. If I feel that a task can be done quicker just by me shooting an email, I have the tendency because I haven't had a, you know somebody to help me for a long time to still want to do that. Uh, and it's important to have it to break as a founder because you can't do it all as the company scales. Uh, and so that's what working with a, a virtual assistant um, has taught me. Number two is systems thinking. Um, and in order for my work with my virtual assistant to be productive, even though it can be efficient, but for it to also be productive is that we need to be uh, put together a scalable and repeatable process. Yeah. So that as the company grows, we can plug in more people and the system just continues to produce. Right. Um, and then, you know, understanding where people's strengths are. I think one of the great things about uh, working with a, a company like Vertical is that you have all of these skills under one roof. So you don't necessarily have to, you know, go maybe to a freelancer, maybe even if, if you hire a virtual assistant individually, um, within the packages, you don't necessarily have to have any one skill set be the solo primary skill set of the person that you've hired, especially if you can only afford at least initially to hire one person. And so um, that's really what I think some of the values are for me that I've found working with a virtual assistant, letting go of some of the, those old habits, uh, you know, having access to people with multiple skills, and then really, really focused on uh, systems thinking. And, and my project manager is really focused on helping me break those habits. And it's, it, it's been absolutely a, a wonderful investment. Uh, and so what I'd like to do, Chris, is take one final break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get some parting thoughts from you, and then we're going to wrap this podcast. Okay, great. So, yeah, so folks, you're listening to my conversation with Chris Pomas, founder of Vertical. We'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by the City of Dublin's Division of Economic Development. The City of Dublin provides world-class, tailored business services and resources to ensure the best possible environment for businesses to recruit talent and thrive. Because of this strategic focus and commitment to employer growth, Dublin is the only accredited economic development organization in the state of Ohio. The City of Dublin supports startups and entrepreneurs by offering targeted resources and training programs to grow companies that are financially sustainable 
innovative, and committed to creating jobs. Learn how other businesses depend on Dublin. Visit thriveindublinohio.com. 614 Startups Nation, welcome back for our final, final segment of this particular podcast. You've been listening to my conversation with Chris Polmas, founder of Vertical. All right, Chris, um, you, you kind of touched on in the previous segment that you are part of um, a, a conglomerate of companies, if I, if I can actually call it that. Um, and Vertical is just the newest right, uh, uh, of this um, family of companies or portfolio of companies. And you had the opportunity to kind of locate this business anywhere you wanted to. Uh, but why did you decide to stay here in Columbus and headquarter the company here? Yeah, so uh, obviously Columbus is home. You know that you know this is our Plymouth Rock, if you will. Uh, I did move away to uh, Los Angeles. Um, you know, I was part of a startup. I invested into a startup out there. It was a digital media company, and it's uh, kind of where I cut my teeth. Uh, you know, living in LA, uh, the Silicon Beach scene. Uh, I think Snapchat was around that time. It's when all the digital media was becoming a very big thing on YouTube and um, and all that fun stuff. But uh, after a few years, uh, you know, I realized, and of course, with family being back here, uh, you know, my wife and my one daughter at the time, she wanted, you know, you know, my wife really wanted to get back closer to family. And of course, you know, I feel like Columbus is just a very uh, welcoming. It's, you know, it's a, you know, you got the, you got the seasons here. And of course, your family was a big part of it. And, you know, family is everything to me but uh in terms of you know where we were and you know uh, coming back to uh to columbus you know since then i was able to um you know start revcon as i mentioned before and then vertical uh came after that and then uh we recently started a uh a third-party logistics company called Workline 3PL. Uh, it was a natural uh, transition just because Workline Solutions, uh, you know, was my first baby. And, you know, we specialize in staffing recruiting for for warehousing, um, you know, for the most part. And now we're transitioning, doing a lot of other, you know, professional types of recruiting and, and you know, clerical and you know, pretty much everything. We cover it all. But, you know, but, but, but one thing you know, that we do know really well is, is logistics. So, so there's four main companies in the portfolio and we've invested into a handful of other companies. We recently, uh, invested into a company called Moria systems. Uh, it's an it managed service provider. And, you know, that's one of the companies that, that we're really excited about. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited about all of them, but, uh, yeah, but that's the latest and greatest. And there's a few other, small investments that we've made with other digital media companies, uh, you know, based in California. And, uh, so, you yeah, so it's been a fun ride. Yeah, that's wonderful, man. And, um, the more businesses that we can attract and grow and, and support here in Columbus is absolutely essential to a healthy ecosystem. So, uh, you know, I'm excited, um, you know, th- to have you on this podcast and, um, to be uh, launching my journey into building a team with Vertical. Very excited about that. Um, but I, you know, 
you've done this a couple of different times, right? Started off as a side hustle, then transitioned into your full-time th- thing. Um, your holding company has multiple portfolio companies. And they're, you know, folks like me, folks who are probably earlier than me, just starting their journey and might look to somebody like yourself and say, wow, you know, this is somebody that, um, you know, has achieved what I want to achieve. And I always like to ask this question before we wrap. Uh, if you could go back or if you have one piece of advice for somebody that you might be mentoring, um, what would that thing be that you would tell them uh, that's necessary to grow a successful company? Man, I would say soft skills are highly important, especially from a customer service standpoint. You know, I've been a huge uh, proponent of great customer service. You know, I feel like if you can learn that part of it, um, you know, and really understand your customer, uh, know how to find the best customers, which, you know, of course, you know, it doesn't always happen, but, but essentially if you can master the art of customer service and be able to build the right processes, and I think, you know, the vertical team is, you know, definitely, you know, uh, a group that can help with a lot of back office functions, as I've mentioned several times now. But I think having processes buttoned up and understanding uh, the the nuances of how to run a proper business and in a very ethical way, you know, I'd say that you know those are the you know, those are the main pillars. Yeah, man. Um, I, I really appreciate you saying that about soft skills. I think a lot of times uh, in the business world, you know, when they're writing articles, a lot of times you'll see uh, conversations about the technology um, or you'll really see, uh, you know, big splashes about how much funding was raised. I think one of the things that gets overlooked um, is relationships. Right. And that's really what soft skills are all about, is about building relationships. And I had um, uh, dinner with somebody. And this is kind of my final word on this to, to kind of piggyback uh, on, on, on what you just said, which is, you know, he had a conversation about, you know, kind of what it would take to take his business to the next level. And after he explained to me what he did, I said, man, listen, you know, you're going to need to do um, prospecting. Right. You need to going to go out and, and find new customers. But I think it's going to require you to deepen relationships with your existing customers. Yeah. I mean, right. Soft skills for, for both sides. Right. I mean, you have to be able to work with people properly communicate uh, in a way where, you know, uh, where it's effective. You know, I know that certain people just aren't built that way, but I feel like you know, that's been kind of the secret to my success is to, you know, I think organization, you know, that's one that I didn't bring up either. You know, there's so many of them. Right. But, you know, I think being organized and being diligent in what you do, responding to emails, you know, setting those reminders and ensuring that you are following up. You know, I think follow up. I mean, I could probably write a book on, you know, and I haven't mastered anything. Right. You know, this is just my experience. So uh, so I'm the master of, of nothing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a jack of all trades at this point. But if you know, but if there's a few things that you know, I feel like would be impactful to how you can develop your business or develop your skills. You know, I think that, you know, having those main pillars of just, you know, soft skills, being organized, follow up, uh, you know, that's how you execute. 
I appreciate that, Chris. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, man. And, and, and thank you for all that you're doing to build companies here in Columbus and be part of this uh, startup community. All right, 614 Startups Nation. That was my conversation with Chris Pomas, founder of Vertical. Until next time, peace. That's a wrap, folks. You can find this in all our episodes on our website, 614startups.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review. If you'd like updates sent directly to your inbox, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter on the website. To engage in the 614 Startups community, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at 614 Startups on all platforms and join the conversation. For sponsorship opportunities and collaborations, email us at info at 614startups.com.